we were taking an offering. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to those who were bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to counsel those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, and the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Such a powerful word. Jesus sat in the synagogue and opened up to Isaiah and said, when he was done with this, he almost mic dropped it. (laughs) He said, today, this word is fulfilled in your presence. Amen. Amen. That was the ultimate mic drop ever. Um, If you would, um, keep my family in your prayers. My wife um, and children and myself, we lost our grandmother uh, this morning. We got word on as they were right before the second service started. So please keep them in your prayers. She loved the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, So she is dancing in the presence of the Lord as we speak. And uh, she reached her goal and accomplished her mission. Truly, she could say, the Lord will say to her, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's what I hope to hear someday. So she no longer has to walk by faith, but not by sight, because she has seen it full force today. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, So just so you guys are all with me, um, it's going to be Smokey and the Bandit today. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Um, I actually contemplated, because of everything else that's happening, of not sharing this message and just worshiping a little bit more, um, but the Lord um, put this message on my heart, and it's a, it's a timely message, and it's a heavy message, and it's needed. So if you would bear with me, I'm just going to ask your permission. If at some point you need to, at 1230, go get your children, please do that. If you get done before I do, you're dismissed. <laughs> if, if you feel that you need to leave, um, and I'm going to be very, very sensitive to the unctioning and the leading of the Holy Spirit, Okay. I will promise you this, when I feel his anointing lift, I will stop. Okay? Is that fair? Because I, I'm gonna, I have a responsibility also to the Lord. He, he gave me this message, and I want to deliver it in the way that he gave it. Not try to scrunch it up and, and cut apart. Because everything that he's given me, I feel, is from his throne room. So um, prepare your hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for... <laughs> Showing up. Yeah. Lord, for already the, the, the releasing of bondage, yeah. already breaking darkness, already comforting those who mourn. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God, prepare our hearts to receive your word. And I just thank you, God, that you're choosing to use me to deliver this message. God, help me to deliver it in time and in season in Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you have your word, your word with you, um, we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, starting, and then stick your finger in Genesis chapter 1. The title of this message is, Whose Image Do You See? Whose Image Do You See? I'm going to try to repeat this throughout the message. How many are with us at Mark chapter 
12. I'm not going to do much of an introduction or anything today for time. But be in prayer, definitely. Thank God our president had called a national day of prayer for today. Yeah. So throughout the day, be in prayer for those who are in Houston and be in prayer for our country, for unity. This is still called the United States of America. Amen? Amen. All right, so Mark chapter 12. I should probably get there myself. It would help. Um, the Pharisees and the Herodians got together, and their whole plan is to trip up Jesus. And uh, when these two people groups get together, it's quite amazing because they are the most vast opposite sides of the spectrum there is. You have a, a group of Jews called Herodians who stood on the side of Herod and the side of Rome and supported the laws and those types of things. And then you have the Pharisees who were totally anti-Rome and were totally about the Jewish laws and covenants and following those. So when they get together, it's not for uh, any good, good thing. They're there to trip up Jesus and try to catch him in either one way that they're either going get, to get him to say that we should violate Romans law or we should violate Jewish law. So either way, they've got him, and they're pretty excited about that. So they're coming, and it says that they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it. And he said to them, Whose image and whose inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. So he took the coin, the denarius, and he held it up to him and said, Whose image do you see and whose inscription is on it? They said, Caesar's. So Jesus said, then give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And give unto God what is God's. Give me some more cord there. And another way to say this, what I've looked at in studying this and the message of the Lord put in my heart, is he's really saying, give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's because it bears his image. But he's telling us to give unto God what is God's? And I never looked at it like this, but he's basically saying us because we bear his image. We bear his image. We are, we are the most amazing creatures that he's ever created because we bear his image. So when he says to give unto God what is God's, it's everything. All of us, right? All of our heart. Kind of like he said, the first and greatest commandment, everything, all of our heart, soul, mind, strength. I love that he doesn't make it hard. I just want all. Man, when they produce an image, they produce the same image over and over and over, right? Those coins are stamped. Over and over and over and over. It's the same image over and over and over. The beautiful thing with God is when he puts his image on man, his image isn't just that simple. Whether It's just the same little mark. Every single one of us. And don't, it doesn't matter what race you are. doesn't matter what sex you are. doesn't matter if you're skinny, if you're fat, if you're 
big boned, whatever it is, right? I'm not fat, I'm big boned. <laughs> we all bear his image. Isn't that cool? The world stamps us and, and we're all, they're all trying to fit every single person into the same mold. Ladies, am I wrong? Doesn't the world tell you that you all have to be whatever the numbers are? They have a number system. They have a weight. They have a mold. And if, it's, if you don't look like that, you're not beautiful. Image is everything. Is it not? And you're told what your image should be. God says, you're created in my image. You're created in my image. You're separate. You're beautiful. You're the most ridiculously amazing creation that he's ever made. Men, that goes for us too. We are created in God's image. Not physically. God is spirit. But in our soul, who we are, we are in his likeness. And it's powerful. If you can turn with me to Genesis, I want you to hear the words. The book of Genesis is an amazing book. Chapter 1. You will find that just about all the problems can get summed up in the first couple chapters of Genesis. First sentence, in the beginning, God created. That right there determines where you stand. In the beginning, God created. I used to question and think, and I'm sure all of us have, well, then who created God? If you ask any evolutionists, that's what they'll say. Well, then who created God? If we read the first sentence, it's pretty simple. In the beginning, God created, which means there is no other creator. Otherwise, they would be God. Right? That's kind of simple. In the beginning, God created. Well, who? there is no other creator because in the beginning, God created. You, if they're right? All right, so we just saved all kinds of thousands of dollars on trying to figure out who created God, right? All right, the part that we really want to look at today is verse 26 and 27. And you see God go through the list, and, and he starts naming off all the different things that he created, seed-bearing trees and animals. And, and every time it says, according to their kind, according to their kind, this tree with its seed according to its kind, and it will produce according to that because it's created and made according to its kind. Then he gets down to what I'm calling the cherry on the top of all creation. The last thing of creation. It's like you save your best for last. And then he says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. We are created in his image, which makes us image bearers. We're an image bearer. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Whose image do you see? 
Not who you're supposed to see. I'm asking for real. Be honest. <laughs> I see a man that has had some scars, has had some issues in life, that has been through some stuff. And sometimes I see shame. Sometimes I see guilt. Sometimes I see regret. And sometimes I see Jesus. But I'll tell you what, when I read this and I understand when he's putting this message in my heart, I'm not going to be seeing those things much longer. When I look in the mirror, I'm going to say, that's an, I'm an image bearer of God Almighty. He created me in his image. I'm going to see Jesus in those eyes. I'm going to see him how he sees me. We need to see ourselves how he sees us. And then we need to see each other as he sees us. Mankind is the most precious thing that he ever created. And we as Christians need to start treating mankind in that way. Amen? Not by what the world says, but what his word says. Amen? An image bearer is made to resemble God. Humanity is unique among all creation, having both a temporal, material body and an eternal, immaterial soul and spirit. This body, this earth suit, is failing. Grandma's earth suit failed. But her soul is, was never touched. Nothing that ever happened in her life that tried to hurt that, that body or cause pain or grief ever affected the soul. There's no scar on the soul. There's no stain on the soul. She is just as alive, probably more alive now. Because she has no earth suit that is constricting her. Nothing that is constraining her. Nothing that is causing her pain. Nothing that is causing her to have any sort of stain from sin. Can you imagine? The Bible says to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. It's the truth. You don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. In Genesis, as it goes on after chapter 1, God Almighty took his mouth and put it over the nostrils of man, of Adam, and breathed life into him. We share his breath. <laughs> right? Nothing else in creation shares his breath. When he breathed into man, the word is, someone that was really educated in Greek could tell you, but the, the word is P-S-U-C-H-E, and it means the breath of life. That's the word of first soul. So he breathed the soul into man that separated mankind from everything else. And the spirit of man. That's eternal. Our body's temporary. So we share an eternal eternalness with God. 
God's eternal. Now, that's about where it stops. I'm going to share some other likenesses. We're, we have none of the omnis. <laughs> now, don't get my teaching today and this word twisted to say I'm, we're all little gods because that's not true. There's one God. There's one sovereign. There's one king. And I ain't him. And neither are you. However, just like I have children, they resemble me. Each one of them are different, but they're in my image. But ultimately, they're created in God's image, just like all of you are. And we share that. And it's very special. And we all have a soul that is eternal. So our first point is going to be our likeness to God. How do we resemble God? It's not physically in this body. Although Jesus did have an earth suit. So we can see what God looked like in mankind. However, our likenesses to God and being created in his image or likeness are in this way. Mentally is one way. We have reason. We can choose. We have choice. Dogs and animals don't. We can invent. We have creativity. We can invent things. I have a dog up front, so I'll be using this dog in a minute. We have the ability to write, to create poems. We can write music. We can write books. We can write letters. We can paint. We can play music. We can calculate sums and figures. We can name our dogs or our cats or an animal. Those are all things mentally that are, like, are similar to our likeness of God. Morally, we share this with God. We were created in righteousness and innocence. Now, we've lost some of that. There's a reflection of God's holiness. God created us with a conscience and a moral compass. He created us, and we still have this in us, to recoil from evil. We praise good behavior. We, as human beings, write laws. We feel guilty because we are not living up to the truth and what we were created to be. Morally, we share that. God doesn't feel guilty because God has no sin in him. But when we were created originally, when they sinned, they felt guilt. Socially, we are like God this way. We were created for relationship. A lot, I've heard a lot, and it's said a lot, we were created to worship. Somewhat true. But God didn't create us because he needed more worshipers. Because all heaven, the angels are worshiping God as we speak. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. There is worship going on nonstop. All of the angels are worshiping him. He created mankind for fellowship. You see that in the Garden of Eden. You see that he's concerned for fellowship. And he's seen in man. He saw Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be what? alone. So he created woman. We see the social part of us that is like God. That every time someone gets married, that resembles that. Every time somebody hugs a child, we resemble that like God. Every time someone comes to church and we gather together for fellowship, that came from God. We are created for fellowship. It's quiet. Is everyone like, is this like super deep or... Be asleep. <laughs> it's just like, like, whoa, I don't know if this is good or not. <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. 
All right, so take a deep breath. Whose image do you see? Isn't humanity amazing? We have the ability to represent God. And when we see mankind, we should see God. Not when we see dogs. I don't look at my dog, Charlie, and be like, think about God. I love Charlie. But he's a little different than human beings. The second point of this message is a very real truth. That Satan hates you. But he hates you because you bear God's image. Can you imagine? Isaiah um, chapter 14 tells us. This is actually Satan's word. He said, I will make myself like the most high. He wanted to be like God. He, want, he tried to take over God. He, he wanted to be like God. Can you imagine how frustrating Satan is? And I like the fact that he's really frustrated. Yeah. I like the fact that every time he looks at me, he sees the image of God. Yeah. Every time he looks at you, he's reminded of the image of God. Right. Something he wanted. He wanted to be like God. And then God created man in his own image. Oh. That's why he hates us. That's why he's trying to mar that image. Right? And has he? He has to an extent. When he got Adam and Eve to sin, he marred the image. He left a mark. And that mark was passed on from Adam into all generations. Amen? But guess what? There's good news. How many know that what, every time the enemy's done something to try to bring something negative or bring something, it never works. God will, well, God will fix it, and he'll do it in such a way that it was even better. It'll be even better than what it was first was. And I'm going to show you that at the end of this. The, mar, the word mar means to impair the appearance, to disfigure, to spoil, to impair, or to scar. Not by a show of hands, but every single one of us, you can think about how Satan has tried to mar the image of God in your life, or has. And we have those scars, and we bear those marks, the disfigurement. And if you've seen people that follow after the Satan, you will see a disfigurement of the body, besides the soul and the spirit. But, and you will see something else. They will all start looking alike. They will start resembling I've seen it. Thank God that when he came and we took communion, that blood came and washed over us. It cleansed every part, every scar, every blemish, everything that was to impair the image of God. Amen? I'm going I'm to show you a couple things here in a minute. One of the biggest lies as I'm looking at the image of God and, and, and the image of how we see human beings as portraying the image of God, how has that changed? What happened? Um, there's a word, and it's called evolution. And I call it evolution. <laughs> evolution has taught mankind, and it's a theory. It's a bad theory. It's a poor theory. There is, there is a truth of evolution called microevolution, but there's no such thing as macroevolution. There's nothing in science that shows any macro. It, 
anything changing kind. A dog, if it's left in a nor like way up in the northern hemisphere, over years and years and years, will evolve to have longer hair, a thicker coat. Or some animals will change color because of the environment then to blend. That's micro, and that is true. God created, created that. There's no such thing as macro. There's no such thing as a, because he created them to their own kind. And we'll go back to Genesis. Birds do not turn into whales. That's what evolution teaches. There's no changing of kind. So let's get an evolution. Basically, the, and listen to these words. Random change in organisms. Just random. No purpose. All life on earth is connected and related. No, that's not true. According to their own kind. I'm not related to a monkey. I'm not related to the dog species. I'm not related. I'm different. I, I bear the image of God. I share the breath of God. Amen. We're a little bit more special than everything else created. Macroevolution is, is caused by mutations, caused by random errors in DNA. That's what, that's what our children and, and some of us were taught, and the world is being taught. Random errors. You're a random error in DNA. This has been taught as fact since 1981. Now let me show you the results of this teaching. The result of losing our image. Life has no value. Life has no point or purpose. If you, if you talk to a college student today, what's the purpose of life? There isn't one. What's the value of a human? That's the same as a dog. Actually, a dog might be more because I like my dog. That's true. Pastor Danise just shared, a, shared in her message last week about, what, eight young men that watched a man drown to death? Could have helped him. Didn't. And we're like, how did that happen? Well, it's called survival of the fittest in evolution. Natural selection. That's how ent entirely new species develop, is through natural selection and survival of the fittest. We wonder why suicide is the second highest cause of death between ages 15 and 34. Our family's been touched by suicide. No one will take their life when they truly believe they bear the image of God. They realize the value that is in their life, the purpose that God has for them. If they understood the plan, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. If they understood that they were created and that God knew them in their mother's womb, that they weren't a body, that they were a soul, an eternal being that was precious in God's sight, yes. we wouldn't be aborting 3,000 children a day. Image bearers, not a fetus. Me and my wife were watching something on TV the other day. It's, I find it very interesting that at, it was 12 weeks, they did a, a sonogram on this lady and Oh, my gosh, everyone's so happy. The baby, the baby, the baby. Well, if she hadn't wanted that child, they wouldn't have never said the baby, the baby, the baby. It would have been a fetus. So be depending on if you want to keep it or not, it determines it's a baby or a fetus. My Bible says that you were, he knew you in your mother's womb, that he had plans for you, that that little baby is an image bearer of God. 
and we're disposing of them and throwing them away and then sickening, making profit off of their parts. How does this happen? Because we don't know our value. We don't know the value of human life. We don't, we forgot that we bear the image of God. Satan hasn't forgot. Murder rates are higher than they've ever been. People are just, there's no respect for human life anymore. Why is that? Well, the New York Times said 30 year high increase in every age group of suicide except men and women of 75 years or older. Isn't that weird? That's normally when you beat, you're like, you hurt the worst. You're like, right? Physically, I don't look forward to being 75. I'm just be, like, right now my back is killing me and I'm 41. I'm going to be 42 here. But here's what they weren't taught. They weren't taught evolution as truth. They were taught that they were created in God's image. They were taught there was a high price in the value of life. Does that make sense? These are facts. The value of human life is something so precious. That's my third point. What is the value of human life? What is the value of something? What someone is willing to pay, right? People ask me, I work in a jewelry store. What's that? What is my jewelry? What's my piece of jewelry worth? So whatever someone's willing to pay for it. That's the truth. You may have a truck. You think it's worth $10,000. What's it worth? Whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Right? That's what, to me, that's my definition of value. Here's what the EPA says a human life is worth. 9.1 million. Food and Drug Administration says a human life is worth 7.9 million. The Department of Transportation says that a human life is worth $6 million. It makes you uncomfortable, don't it? What's his word say our life is worth? For God so loved the world that he gave his most precious son. Whosoever would believe in him should not perish. Have everlasting life. Because he knows I created man in my image. When he created Adam, he, it was, this is my prized possession. And Eve, ladies. The Bible says that he paid a high price to redeem man. In Corinthians, it says it twice, high price. It's Corinthians 6.20 and 7.23. We don't have time. Satan is still trying to mar the image. I want to share something with you. And I'll try to keep my mic away from this. What is the value of mankind? I want to show you something about value. Pastor Linda, what are these? Quarters. One is pretty marred and faded and not looking too swift. And this one's pretty nice and shiny, right? <laughs> How much are they worth? Okay. So I'm going to try something different because this was really loud. If I come over here and take this and... What's it worth? 
if I keep beating on this all day long and mar this image, what is it worth? No matter what I do, this image still represents they're the same. I don't care what life has done to you. I don't care what the enemy has done to try to mar your image, the image of God on your life. Your value has not changed. Romans 5.8 says that while we were yet sinners, when I was at my worst, when I was at my ugliest, when I was literally like this to God, giving him a middle finger, saying, leave me alone. I want nothing to do with you. And I was so stained and marred by sin. He sent his son at that moment because it wasn't about what it looked like. It was about the value because I was created in his image. And so were you. I don't care what life, I mean, I do care, but I don't care in the fact that don't let what's happened to you determine your value. Don't let what the Satan has done to you determine your value or devalue you because you were bought with a price, a high price. Something else I'll show you. Here's something about value. Anybody know what this is? Okay. Okay, you see the shape of these? These are about what everybody's ones look like, right? Why? I'm going to show you something a little different. What's this? Does it look a little different? You see all the corners are nice and sharp. Do we, do we handle these the same we do as those? I don't. I'm like, $100 bill? Keep these nice. A one? Oh, thanks. Right? Is that true? I think we need to start valuing people. That we see them in the image of God. Not as someone that just offended me. Not as someone that just cut me off. Not as someone who spoke ill over me. Not as someone who done me wrong. Because none of that matters. It doesn't change the value. They are image bearers of God. They have a soul that is eternal. Are you hearing me, church? Yes, sir. Is that easy? It's getting easier. When we change our perspective, when we see through his eyes, we see the truth. What's the word say? If we should know the truth, the truth should set us free, right? Free from what? From us. From what the world says it's supposed to look like. From what, from what society says it's supposed to look like. No. What's the truth say? The truth is it doesn't matter what my wife does to me or doesn't do to me. She's created in the image of God. And I need to handle her as such. Amen? Amen. It works the same for not just my wife. It works for the same for anyone. For the worst sinner that I'm going to come in contact with today. That has nothing that does not look like God. The truth is, is that they were created in the image of God. When God redeems a man, he begins to restore the original image. Isn't that awesome? He begins, he's a God of restoration. 
I'm not saying and taking light anything that's happened to any of you. And I want to share something real quick while the Lord's put this on my heart. I want to make very clear that if there's anyone in here that has had an abortion, that stain and that sin is washed. Can be washed by the blood. There'd be no, rem- no mark, no mar. Every single one of us has, has believed a lie and sinned. Every single one of us. So Jesus would say, those of you who haven't, feel free to throw the first stone. Would he not? So many times we talk about that, and and I can can imagine there's a lot of grief and shame or things that have gone along with it. But let me tell you, the Lord says, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. And what was done in ignorance, because people believe these lies that it's just a fetus. There's no purpose. Well, it's, it's just nothing. It's just this material. It's not the truth. We are precious in God's sight. That he's restored us. His word says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if anyone be in Christ, they're what? New creation. creation. What happens to the old things? Passed away. away. Behold, all things become new. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What's Ephesians 4, 24 say in the new living? Whoever's doing that, I'm seeing to keep them on their toes. We are to put on our new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, the old translation of the New Language would be created, created in his likeness, truly righteous and holy. Whoa, truly righteous and holy. When that blood, when we took that communion, it represents that blood. When that blood is applied, that's how he sees you. Image restored. True righteous, true holiness. His word tells us in Hebrew that we can come boldly to the throne room of grace. Not with our head down, not in shame, our head up. Come boldly into our Father's house. And that's how each one of you should come into this house. You're coming into your Father's house. The human soul is the personhood of a human being. You don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. The body is temporal. The soul is eternal. The soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. We need to see people that way. It used to be, I remember when I grew up and here at church, you'd hear about souls all the time. Souls saved. How many souls were saved? That's why they say that. Not how many bodies were saved. How many souls were saved? Because the soul is the person. Jesus shows us the, 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 not that he doesn't care about our body, but he shows you the difference between body and soul in, in a couple of scriptures. One of them is well, two, two times in Matthew, Matthew 5, 29 and 18, 8 and 9. He says this. He says, if your eye would cause you to sin, pluck it out. Be better to any, enter eternal life with one eye than to come in and lose your soul. Mark eight thirty six says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? but lose his soul. I want to share with you that Jesus restored the marred image on mankind. We can stand before him as if we've never sinned. Spotless. Washed by the blood of Jesus. A new creation. Stand with me.
Whose image do you see? Look around. Whose image do you see? When you go out these doors, whose image are you going to see? Are we going to see men as being created in the image of God? Or when we look in the mirror, are we going to see someone that was washed by the blood, cleansed, that's in true righteousness and holiness? Because I'll tell you what, it's more important what he sees than what you see. But you need to begin to see what he sees. Because you were bought with a price, a high price. No one can prove their love more than what, than what the Father did. He, it's not just words, it's action. He gave the most precious thing he had to purchase you back, to redeem the image of himself on you. And that's what we bear. Are you hearing me, church? I don't care what the lies have been spoken over you. I don't care who's, how they've handled you, who has beat on you and tried to distort that image and the lies that we've received. I speak truth over all of you right now. You are all created in the image of God. You were bought with a high price. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And every single one of you in your uniqueness are made in his image. Quit trying to let the world stamp their form and image on you. Over and over. We try to all look alike. Try to, no. I look like my father. And I want everyone to see my father in me. And they're only going to see my father in me if I don't let Satan's stains of sin mar this image. Amen? Amen. Amen. I would like you all bow your heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you for showing up even before, we, before this message went forth. You've prepared hearts. Lord, I know that you've put this message on this time and for this season. I ask that you'd begin to prepare hearts right now, that you would cleanse people's thoughts in view of themselves, that the things that they've carried and been marred by, they would release I break every yoke, every lie in Jesus' name right now over this congregation. Holy Spirit, come in like a flood and rest upon your people. Pour out your love. We thank you for your restoration, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a God of restoration. there's anyone under the sound of my voice that has heard the word today and said, Brother Steve, I've allowed the enemy to mar me and I've seen through his eyes and I have not seen through God's eyes and you want to be prayed for or you've been able, haven't been able to shake that. Maybe there's an old sin or something that you've, you've committed and in your mind, you know the truth is that you've, you're forgiven but also in your mind and in your spirit, you're still carrying it. You can come up to this altar, and I believe that the Spirit of the Lord would like to set you free. I believe that you can leave here changed different than you've ever been. We thank you, Lord, for saving people. We thank you for healing people. We thank you for setting mankind free. We thank you for sending your son to go to the cross and pay the price 
and restore the image that you put on man. Jesus' name. Church, if you'd like to be dismissed, you are dismissed. If you would like to receive prayer, if you would like to get free from anything that's been holding you back in the past, we're gonna, I'm going to ask the other pastors and uh, leadership to come forward and pray. I believe God wants to do something special in this house today. You are dismissed. Thank you.